Welcome, Christian Israel, Pastor Eli James. Today is January 29th, 2023. And this is, of course, the voice of Christian Israel on Eurofolk Radio. Uh, first of all, uh, it looks like it's going to get more and more difficult to connect with Pastor Martins uh, live. So I'm, I think I'm going to suggest to him to maybe do his own show and pre-record it. And uh, that way we can give updates on what's happening on South Africa. And maybe we could actually do interviews, uh, record them when his connectivity is adequate. And then we can record that and put it up in the time slot here. So, But right now it's not looking too good for South Africa. The rolling blackouts are increasingly bad. And he's in a, in a rural area where... His service is probably cut off more than service in the big cities, etc. Okay, so that's one item. Next is uh, that uh, my book, The Great Impersonation, Fourth Edition, is out. I put a link in the chat room here. Uh, just go to Money Tree Publishing. That's M O N E Y T R E E Publishing dot com, and uh, just. Uh, Look for uh, the opening page has a lot of Andy's books and a lot of books about the Israeli assault on the USS Liberty. But when you go to buy or browse or uh, it's just a link on the bottom of the page, I don't have that page open right now, then uh, you, my book will appear and uh, you know the description of it and a little audio that I played this morning, uh, my audio promo for the book. So uh, please avail yourself of Money Tree Publishing, and uh, if you're interested in the uh, Assault on the Liberty and Andy's books, uh, please avail yourself of that. Uh, you can browse the website, and uh, you know, uh, David Harry is a great patriot, and uh, we need patriotic books, especially white, pro-white books, to be promoted in this uh, land that's under assault by the international Jew. So uh, those two things, and also uh, we're we're going to be in the process, slow process of revamping the entire site of Eurofolk Radio, where uh, we're going to be doing mainly podcasts since uh, the 24/7 radio schedule. We don't have enough people to fill in all the slots. It's, it's a very tedious job to fill in every time slot. Uh, when we had Pastor Steve doing it and Pastor Dan and uh, many others who uh, were filling in their own time slots, uh, that was going really well. But right now we're down to about five live shows, uh, five or six live shows a week. And, uh, you know, counting Roger Sales and Rick Tyler and the four we do here on weekends, everything else is pre-recorded. So we're going to change the format to... Uh, doing a very limited number of live shows, but uh, primarily doing downloads and a lot of promo, a lot of promo for those shows so we can get this information out to new people who don't necessarily uh, listen to you know live programming, all right? So like right now, we're doing like 3,000 downloads a week of our shows, but the number of live listeners, you know, is probably no more than 25 or 30. Roger Sales gets about 40 with his live show. But he's using Jitsi and uh, he, people can participate and uh, be part of that show, uh, which is a really nice format. I think I'm going to start using that format too, or I might use DLive. So we're going to be uh, switching our format and uh, make life easier for us. And right now, since uh, I don't have Pastor Martins with me, <laughs> uh, I'm doing a lot more solo shows than I ever intended. But uh, that's okay. Yeah, we'll just keep on plugging along. But we are going to be restructuring the show format and uh, moving some shows around. We'll see how that works out. Okay. So let's get today's subject, which is the mystery of the wave sheaf offering. Now, I mentioned this morning... This website, Hope of Israel Ministries, uh, and this article is by John D. Kaiser, K-E-Y-S-E-R. 
And the title of the article is The Mystery of the Wave Sheaf Offering Revealed at Last. Now, uh, we know that the Wave Sheaf Offering is part of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which begins with Passover. Passover, then the next day is the Passover Sabbath. Since uh, we have to clean our homes out of leaven for Passover, the Passover feast, including the Feast of Unleavened Bread, actually lasts nine days, counting Passover. Most of the feasts are eight days from Sabbath to Sabbath. But the Passover Unleavened Bread Feast is nine full days, counting the last Sabbath. So we are not to eat any leavened products during that week. And uh, Brother Hebert is uh, putting together the calendar for this year. That should be out pretty soon. And so we'll be offering that on Eurofolk Radio as well. But the third day of that uh, feast is the Wave Sheaf Offering. Now those three dates were not practiced by the Israelites until the day that they entered Canaan land under Joshua. And we have pinpointed the exact year. It has to be the beginning of the feast day calendar. So we could say, and it usually winds up being around April 3rd, that is Passover, winds up being around April 3rd every year on the Enoch's older calendar and close to that date for other calendars. So, but for our calendar, it's always April 3rd every year. So what we're going to do is, uh, you know, explain all of that and uh, in the coming months and weeks, because we're, we're not far off from that. And uh, we're going to have a couple of uh, Passover feasts in Missouri and Arkansas as well this year. And uh, so we're going to be pretty busy along those lines. So, so the, those three days are consecutive, Passover, Passover Sabbath, and Wave Sheaf. Now, uh, this correlates also with the prophecy that Yahshua gave to the people of Israel, including to, to the rabbis, the Pharisaic rabbis, who wanted to get him to give them a sign of uh, who he is and uh, what he's going to do. Well, he, one thing he said, the, this temple, uh, this temple will raise, rise in three days. <laughs> right? Of course, he was uh, he was referring to him his, himself, his his own temple, right? We're all our temples of the Holy Spirit if we choose to be that by obeying His laws. But uh, you know, this morning we talked about the judgment coming for all Israelites who do not obey His laws. John chapter 5 and chapter 10 talk very much about those Israelites who have made common cause with the enemy are liable to be thrown in the lake of fire along with the Edomites and Khazars themselves, okay? So it's time for us to think about whose side we are really on. Are we with Mammon, that is the world empire of merchants headed by the Rothschilds, or are we with our Lord and Savior, Yahshua Messiah? Okay, it's crunch time, folks. It's getting closer and closer to that day. So, now my perspective on the wave sheaf has always been that it represents the resurrection. Oh, here we go. Maybe we can have uh, Pastor Martins calling in. Hello, Pastor Martins. Hi, good evening. Good evening, Pastor. Yeah. All right. Can you hear um, me? I'm, I'm, yeah, go ahead. I can hear you perfectly. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I had to battle to get uh, logged into um, Skype. I see uh, that my uh, Skype had, up, had an update. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Well, we're on the air, and uh, the subject, I sent you the link to the subject for today. And, uh, uh, you know, just feel free to chime in. I'm just starting to read the document. And I had just made the statement that I had always uh, conceived of the wave sheaf offering in uh, you know the in our book as representing the risen Christ, okay, and that uh, the uh, priest had to wave the sheaf before the people, and that represented the uh, risen Christ. Uh, however, uh, I, th- I think I missed out, and I think many authors also have missed out on the fact that it also represents. And this is in conjunction with Pentecost, 
also represents the first fruits of Israel uh, rising with Christ at that time. Okay? So uh, I'll just read a couple. Yes. Okay, so so just give, and maybe you can get your Afrikaans Bible out and to compare notes and compare some of these verses here. And uh, his intro uh, yeah. sentence here is, much confusion exists concerning the meaning, significance, and symbolism of the wave sheaf offering of Leviticus 23. Just what is the wave sheaf? Hmm. How does it tie in with the sacrifice of Yeshua the Messiah for our sins? This is an identity website, so he uses the sacred names. How does it tie in with the first fruits from the dead? Here is a new look at the mysterious wave sheaf offering and its amazing, wonderful symbolism. And, of course, he agrees with us that it only refers to Israelites, <laughs> that we Israelites are the uh, people that are being referenced here, and Yahshua Messiah is, of course, an Israelite who came to save, to redeem and save Israel. So, here we are in Leviticus 23. We read, And Yahweh said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, when you come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before Yahweh, that you may find acceptance. On the morrow, after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. So this is confirmation from Scripture that the Passover is on the 14th, the Sabbath is on the 15th, and the wave sheaf is the day after the Sabbath, thus being the 16th day. Bang, bang, bang. Three days in a row. Those are the beginning salvos of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And one more verse here. And on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb a year old without blemish as a burnt offering unto Yahweh. Leviticus 23 verses 10 through 12. So based on these, it's pretty obvious that the wave sheaf represents the risen Messiah. Okay? Have you got your uh, Afrikaans version? And how does it compare with the English that I just read? Um, Pastor, <clears throat> it, reads, it reads very much the same. Uh, also, on the seventh day, the... Uh, uh, being the Sabbath, uh-huh. um, uh, and and the, the, there's an, a fire offering that commences on the first day, right? Um, a holy um, a feast um, in which no uh, work ought to be done, right? Uh, and it would be it should be a seven seven days continuous feast uh, fire offering. Right. On the seventh day, um, there's another holy feast uh, during which no um, work should be done. Right. And uh, then on the um, uh, on the During the week, yeah. So uh, it's uh, it's a it's a yes. week because it was just after the harvest, and the agricultural people that we are Israelites, yes. uh, we would have reaped the harvest already. So we're not going to be doing any harvesting during Passover week, right? That's why we're commanded not to do any work. Correct. Okay, back to you. Correct. Uh, also, what is um, intended by that is the uh, remembrance of the uh, Yahweh giving the people of the house of Jacob the um, manna in the desert. Right. Yes. Okay. So because they had to, they had to keep that they had to keep that in a jar in the remembrance of that. I'm just trying to find that uh, in this particular. Uh, portion of scripture. Right, right. And well, then, that, of course, also the, the, the uh, sanctification offerings, of course, which refers to the uh, and, and is a uh, f- foreshadow of the, uh, the, the coming of the Messiah, or rather the crucifixion of the Messiah for the redemption of our sins. 
Right, right. And so uh, the question in the chat mm-hmm. room is, because uh, you know, we know that the 14th day of the year is always Passover, and then the day after that is a Sabbath, clearly instructed in scriptures. Mm-hmm. And then here it says, uh, I'll just read uh, that first verse. I think it's verse 10 here. And Yahweh said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, when you come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before Yahweh. On the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. So, so uh, do, do your people teach? Go ahead. Your comment? Pastor, uh, in Afrikaans, in Afrikaans there's a portion of the text which says, uh, that um, the priest should uh, wave this uh, sheath, uh-huh. um, sheath of uh, harvest before the sight of Yahweh, right? In order that you might be acceptable, right? Right now, which so, is which is very important. Yeah, and that's missing in the English, and that's a very important point because obviously Yeshua was acceptable, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. So this wave sheaf, go ahead. In other words, the waving of the sheaf is what makes the the, um, the, the house of Jacob acceptable um, before Yahweh. Yes, right. And in like manner, it is only by Yeshua Messiah uh, and by the redemption of his blood that we can... Amen. Of course, him also being the bread of life. Amen. Yeah. So he had to be resurrected first to set the example. He was the very first of the first fruits, right, to be resurrected. And exactly. so, right. And without his sacrifice of redemption for us, we could never qualify either, right? Because he set the example for us. So, does your translation also say mm-hmm. on the morrow after the Sabbath? Or does it leave that um, up? It also says, um, uh, okay. okay, the day after, the morrow after the Sabbath. Right, okay. The priest has to wave it before the site right. of Yahweh. Yeah. So, so a lot of people miss what that. What goes with it? Yes, yeah. Okay, so yeah. you were about what to say. What goes with it? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Pastor. What goes with it? Um, it says in verse 12, on the day that the um, sheath is waved before Yahweh, a year-old lamb should, w- without blemish, um, should also be offered unto Yahweh. Okay. Now, that refers directly back to the um, the day of the, the Pesach, the uh, Passover. Right. Because it was a year-old lamb as well. Yes, right. So I think that that's the deliberately stated that way to connect the uh, sacrifice of Yahshua yeah. with the, the rest of us, okay? And that is the point exactly. of this article that, uh, yeah, we forget that we're supposed to be the first fruits uh, following the lamb up into the kingdom, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> right? So, yes. yeah. yeah. So he says in this article, what is this wave sheaf offering? What does it symbolize and represent? Notice that it is a sheaf of the first fruits, and that's plural, and it is offered to Yahweh, he uses Jehovah, Yahweh God before the Israelites can harvest the spring harvest. Yahweh commands, and you shall eat neither bread nor grain parched or fresh, that is, produced from the new har- harvest. Until this same day, until you have brought the offering of your God, it is a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings, Leviticus 23.14. Now, disregarding the fact that the Jews don't actually harvest anything because they're not farmers, right? This is speaking to us. Yeah. In other words, until, until the high priest performs this ritual, we are not to harvest any of, uh, any of the, uh, the upcoming harvest, whatever that is, okay? So, you know, I think the barley harvest is ready and has to be available for this week-long feast, okay? Yeah, so your comment. Exactly. Yeah, okay. 
Um, Pastor, uh, just something else which is um, of prime importance in the interpretation of all scripture. Okay. Um, Ezekiel 20.49. If I can read it in, in the English. Sure. I just want to make sure that it... Um, uh, let me just get to my King James Version, uh, and that is, that states, then, uh, uh, and uh, verse 48, and all flesh shall see that I, Yahweh, have kindled it, it should not be quenched. He's speaking about a fire. Right. And then, verse, verse 49 um the, the prophet says, Then said I, Ah, Yahweh Elohim, they say of me, Doth, doth he not speak in parables? Uh-huh. Then there's another one as well. In other words, it was not just Yeshua Messiah, Messiah that had spoken in parables, but Father Yahweh speaks in parables in just about every commandment, in every uh, institution or instruction that he gave, he was speaking in in parallels. Right. Yeah, parables. Right. So, so that only is so that only Israel could understand. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and another another one very important is in Isaiah twelve verse eleven. Uh, if I can read it, is there iniquity in Gilead? Surely they are vanity. They sacrifice bullocks in Gilgal. Yeah, their altars are as heaps in furrows of fields. Um, sorry. Um, if we can go back a few verses. Sure. Uh, Uzziah 12 verse 9. And I that am the, um, that am Yahweh thy Elohim from the land of Egypt will yet make thee to dwell in tabernacles. Uh-huh. As in the days of the solemn feast. Yes. Okay. What what I've verse is that? What was sorry? What was, verse was that? That's twelve verse nine. Okay. Hosea. Hosea. Verse nine. Okay. Verse ten says, "I have also spoken by the prophets, and I have multiplied visions." And used similitudes right. by the ministry of the prophets, of course, which are parables. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now everything, everything pertaining to the feasts are in fact parables. Yes, that's correct. They're prophetic utterances, in addition to instructions. Absolutely. Yeah. In addition to instructions on how to perform the feasts. Exactly. Right. No. Now, if, if one, knowing that, if you now look at the um, waving of the uh, sheaf right. uh, of the first fruit, the uh, harvest, it has such a deep and wide meaning in terms of the coming of the Messiah, the, the, the life of Yeshua Messiah, his sacrifice that he brought being the priest, not just the priest, but being the sacrifice himself, he now ministers for us and on behalf of us before Father Yahweh. Right, right. Yeah. So this prophecy is also about us, not just about Messiah. That's something that I have personally exactly. missed until I actually read this article. Oh, yeah, right. We're the first fruits. Yeah. <laughs> what am I thinking, right? Yeah. Please, please continue. Of, of course, with all these ev- events, the, the feasts pertaining or being a foreshadow of what was to come in Yeshua Messiah. Right. It basically means also that being the first fruits out of his shed blood. Right. Right. Because <laughs> it's just amazing when, when Yeshua Messiah, when, when he... Um, at, when he died, there was an earthquake and the graves opened. Yes. And the people were seen in the cities. Oh, here, well, I just. Which brought... means that those people had now, had now received the redemption, even though they were sacrificing animals, uh, right. 300, 400, 500 years before. Right. The, uh... the, um, uh, uh, 
forgiveness of their sins, for right. the, the sanctification. Yeah, also righteous. Now with Messiah. Yeah, go ahead. Now with Messiah having shed his own blood, of which the blood of bullocks and lambs were a foreshadow of. Right. Now they received redemption because Yeshua had given his yeah. blood. Yeah, amen. Well, here, I was just about to read the exact verses you just cited. Uh, Matthew 27, 49, uh, actually 20, uh, 27, 50. Uh, Yeshua, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which had slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Okay, so the the spirits yes. of the previously dead Israelites came out of their graves and appeared to their brethren, their family members, and told them, hey, the Christ has risen. How about that? <laughs> okay. All right. Absolutely fantastic. Yes, that's but only, only those that had received redemption, right. Because of their faith, that they ex- uh, exercised, they exercised faith by bringing the bullocks and the lambs to the priest. Yes, and by, yeah. and this is also very important, Pastor. There was uh, for every sin there was an associated um, uh, animal. To offer as a for the redemption of these uh, sins. Right. In other words, it, it meant that they had to identify their sin or their transgression. Then, by submitting the or by selecting the particular uh, 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 animal for the remission of their sins, it was an acknowledgement of their sins. Right. Now they take this animal to the priest. They now doing a um, by do, going to the priest with the animal. They now not just admitting their sins, but they also, um, 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 by lack of a word, they uh, acknowledge their sins, but they also um, accepted the remission that came from the yes. shedding of the blood. Yes, that's why you have to accept Yahshua's sacrifice at Calvary. If you don't, as it is right, if you don't accept that, if you don't acknowledge him as your Messiah, then you are you are flirting with disaster. You may not get into the kingdom. You, that's what uh, what Paul means when he says, "Not all Israel is Israel." You you have to exactly, you, but you there's it. something there's there's something more to that as well. So, sorry, Pastor, I'm yeah. interrupting you. No, no, um, no. Go so ahead, often. go ahead. You're on a roll. <laughs> but but what what Paul also states in Romans three, where he says, "Not all that are of Israel are of Israel," because Israel, this the 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 cities and the uh, promised land was inundated by the Edomites right. and the Canaanites and the right. and and they were purporting to be from the house of Jacob. They right. were purporting to they be sure were. Uh, from, <laughs> from right exactly as they are doing today. Yeah, I, I mean this is a deception that was already uh, started. Uh, 360 years before the birth of the Messiah, yeah, the yeah. Edomites were already uh, infiltrating and inundating the uh, the the, um, the promised land. And you, you, I'm, I'm not sure whether you're aware of it, but um, that was due to the fact that uh, Joshua, in spite of the fact that Moses had commanded him on various occasions not to accept any briberies or make any acknowledged agreements. Right. No peace accords to be made with the people from Canaan. Right. And yet the Jebus, those two Jebusites that came with warm, right. tattered clothes and that was molded. 
and he made an agreement, a, a peace accord with them. Yes. And that was why these things happened. Uh-huh. Because okay. it was prophesied. Right. He said, if yeah. they do this, they are going to be overrun and overruled by these people. And even in the time of Yeshua, even in the time of Yeshua, there were Edomites that Everywhere. were reigning in right. the temple. Exactly. Exactly. Numbers 33:55. if you do not eliminate these people, either by extermination or eviction, they will come back and be pricks in your pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides. You will never hear a Judeo minister quote that passage. Okay. Yes. Uh, it never happened, according and, to them. And the Boers are so aware of this particular fact that the right. Edomite, uh, Afrikaners are have already taken such a hold of the, the, right. the history of the Boers and of course they twisted it and yeah. uh, inlaid it with so much uh, deception and lies right. that even the Boers don't know their own true history. They've turned your country into a with, thorn with bush. The, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And, and yeah. with the scorched earth policy, they ensured that every Boers house that was scorched um, all the history that the Boers had written about their own experiences in Europe and their own experiences on the Dutch East Indian Company vessels coming to the Cape and the experiences on arrival in the Cape and how they were subdued and not just subdued, they were subverted yeah. and forced into the Dutch Reformed Church. Right. Yep, yep. And uh, so many of our people in Europe were forced to become Catholics, and then they were forced to become Anglicans, etc., etc. So it's all part of the persecution yes. of our people for the last two thousand years, right? It's been part well, Boston, even beyond that, because if if one reads the books uh, of the, the Book of Maccabees. You will find that this was already evident. The the Maccabees were overrun by uh, what was his name, Antiochus. Yeah, um, Epiphanes. Antiochus uh, Epiphanes, uh, the Greek. Yeah, that's right. And uh, how many years? That was two forty years before the birth of the Messiah. Right. And yeah. the way in which they had they had desecrated not just the temple, the, the Holy of Holies, but the whole of Jerusalem. They desecrated. And what we find amongst the, well, with the Cape Dutch Afrikaners inundating the Boers who have rediscovered their true identity is that they do exactly the same thing. They are desecrating yes. even the name of Yahweh. They are, they're coming up with uh, twists and turns in every means possible whereby they can uh, undermine uh, the re-discovery uh, uh, of the true yes. identity of the Boers. Absolutely. They're doing everything to undermine Christian identity in the world today by creating false rumors about us, you know, that, we're, that we're racist, that we're anti-Semites, when we are the Semites, right? And uh, that uh, we we make up new doctrines. Well, the, the churches have, but we haven't, <laughs> right? We're the ones who are sticking to the Bible doctrine, right? Yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, I'm proclaiming the scriptures of the Hebrews because right. I find so many in the African Bible and even in the English Bibles, uh, translations of what is deemed to be a true translation of the Hebrew scriptures, we find or I find that there are so many discrepancies between the, what the, the uh, Hebrew text says. Right. Uh, because every, every Hebrew word stands in context with the rest of the verse and every verse stands into, in context with the rest of the chapter. And yes. every chapter stands in context with the rest of the, the particular book. Yes. So if you look at this, you will find that, that there are so many things which are translated into the scriptures. You, you, you won't believe this, Pastor, but the name of Father Yahweh appears in hundreds and hundreds of 
men from men and women of the house of Jacob. Yes. But it is translated or transliterated out of the translations. Right. Well, in order that we don't, we should not know that the name of the Father is Yahweh. That's right. That's right. Well, Judah uh, means Yahweh be praised. Right. We have Jeremiah. We have Actually, Isaiah. Right. Uh, he said, "I will surname my people after myself." That's why you have all exactly. this Y-A-H in, as part of the name of so many of the prophets. Okay? And we also have like Ezekiel. Not just the... Yeah, go ahead. Not, not just the prophets, Pastor. But what I do find is um, I have discovered more than 130 names um, which, of course, include Jeremiah and Zephaniah and Obadiah, etc. But yeah. and, more than 130 names that actually contain the name Yah. Yeah, at the end. In the scriptures. Exactly. Now, now one must also remember that the name of all Hebrews have a particular meaning. And every one of these names that are concatenated or that are uh, uh, enfolded in the name of Yah, has some relationship and definition with the name of Father Yahweh as Yah. Now, what is also evident amongst the Greeks and the Latins? Now, the Greeks, many of the Greeks were also Edomites, and the Latins were also Edomites. Okay. They also inserted... They also inserted and associated the names of their sons and their daughters with the God that they worship, which, of course, is Zeus. He right, right. And that is why the, 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 the names that have been Hellenized, Hellenistic names, right. sure. are all added with U.S., of course, with Zeus, the U.S. relates to Zeus, the son of Zeus, the, uh, um, the, yeah. the, the, the children of the Grecians and the Latins or the Edomites for that matter. Because the Romans, the, the Edomites from Rome were the ones that actually devastated the temple in the year 70 AD and also devastated the temple and took possession of all the Temple objects and the scriptures that were in the temple. They had taken possession of all of that. And of course, today it's hidden in the more than 80 kilometers of archives in the Vatican. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just looking up an article here. Why do many Phoenician and Hebrew names end in A-I-A-H or in I-A-H? And it's Azariah. Adoniah, Isaiah, Hezekiah, Zechariah. Hezekiah was not a prophet, but he was a king, right? Azariah, I think, was just an average citizen, etc. Okay. And so, uh, one answer here in Hebrew, Yah, is a short form abbreviation for God's name. The best known example is a word that was carried... Yes, Yahweh, exactly. Uh, carried over from Hebrew into English, Hallelujah, <laughs> which means praise Yahweh, yeah. or in many translations, Yahweh. praise the Lord. Exactly. Yeah, Israel's prime. Oh, forget about Netanyahu. <laughs> He's a Yahoo, <laughs> right? Uh, we, we, we use Yahoo as a slang for an idiot, right? <laughs> you Yahoo. Uh, Elijah's name in Hebrew yeah. is Eliyahu, Eli, my God, or Yahweh, or the Lord, yeah. etc. And, uh, but it's interesting that they mentioned that Phoenicians, because many of the Phoenicians were actually Israelites who sailed the ships. Exactly. The Phoenician ships. Back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, um, um, many of the, uh, or, or the Vikings emanated out of the Phoenicians. Right. Yeah, mainly tribe of Dan. That was the, Tyre was in the territory of Dan and Asher. And I forget, there's, there's three uh, mm. Israelite tribes where Tyre uh, initially appeared. It was later called Phoenicia. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, was it not also Ephraim? Ephraim were uh, also associated with 
yeah. trading and yeah. um, right. merchant merchants yeah it could be well, yeah and since the canaanites were not known as sailors but our people were known as sailors that uh mm. it, it stands to reason that those ships were sailed by israelites okay so uh all mm. right so so getting back to this article here so he says Christian Israelites, those called of Jehovah God or surnamed by him during this lifetime to serve and obey him out of every nation of Israel are likened to the first fruits of Yahweh. We have the first fruits of the spirit of Yahweh as a down payment or earnest Ephesians 1 verses 4 through 14 of our inheritance as we are the ones who should be the praise of his glory who first trusted in Messiah, verse 12. Okay? That rules out all Jews. That rules out all Jews. Exactly. To, to this day, they do not accept him as Messiah. But they can't, cannot. Pastor. They, they cannot, of course If one not. looks at the <laughs> they, they cannot. Because uh, Moses, the last two times that Moses spoke uh, or mentioned um, the the circumcision. He mentions it as Yahweh speaking and saying about the circumcision of the heart. Right. Not the flesh, but the heart. Amen. And I think it was Isaiah who also referred to the uh, circumcision when Yahweh says he will actually bring to justice those that are um, circumcised in the flesh and in the heart. Right. Now, if one looks at uh, the book of Acts, you will find that um, uh, it were the Edomites, because from the Edomite Pharisees, and well, the, um, Luke, wrote the, who wrote the book of Acts, wrote and he said that there were individuals from the sect of the Pharisees right. who had become uh, believers. Uh-huh. And they were demanding... They were demanding that the people be circumcised in the flesh. Right. And, of course, Paul had a long battle with these people who wanted to be uh, or stated that you cannot receive salvation without being circumcised in the flesh. But Father Yahweh says that he will circumcise the people's hearts. Right. Now, the Edomites cannot receive the circumcision of the heart. Yes. Because Father Yahweh does that. Father Yahweh does that with his people. He's chosen, uh, he's chosen race. Right. And because they cannot receive the circumcision of the heart, they now demand to be circumcised in the flesh as a sign that they are supposedly children of Abraham. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, right. So circumcision of the flesh is not enough. You also have to demonstrate that you are circumcised in the heart. And the Jews will never admit that, even though it's stated in the Old Testament. Moses himself said you have to be circumcised yeah. in the heart. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But but uh, circumcision of the flesh, circumcision of the flesh was never a, uh, a law that was stated by Moses. No, and, and it wasn't. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to kill this ringing phone this person always calls me when I'm on the air <laughs> okay so but there's also yes. yeah go ahead uh, well actually let me just state here there were also Judahites who were followers of the Pharisees who uh, did not want to give up that right that physical right nor did they want to give up the uh, the, the sacrifices alright and Paul had to explain to Peter go ahead Yes, the the reason why they wanted that was because they were um, dominated by the Edomites. The Edomites taught that. Yes. Uh, if if you read in, in I think it's in uh, the book of Acts, chapters nineteen, twenty, twenty one, Paul very clearly um, had the agreement of Peter. And is it Cephas? Yes. And John. Yes, right. The agreement that the, the, the circumcision of the flesh was no longer a 
requirement, but the circumcision of the heart. And if one now looks at what the uh, Edomites still say, they they demand um, the circumcision of the flesh. That's right. And this is what Paul also writes about in the book of Galatians. In Galatians, yeah. in, in fact, most of the, Paul's writings in the Romans and his writings in Galatians and Ephesians uh, and even in Corinthians, most of that writings that he writes about the law is in regard to the law which the Jews, these Edomites, yes. demanded, the law of circumcision. And that is also why Yeshua says to the um, to the Pharisees that they're sitting on the chair of Moses, right? Because they are trying to 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 um, uh, enforce even that which Moses did not enforce. Well, that's a, and uh, Farrar Fenton agrees with you that that's the meaning of that passage. Right, but but no Judeo Christian will ever admit that that's the case, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Exactly. And so let me just because uh, he mentioned in his uh, document Ephesians chapter one. Uh, let me see uh, because Paul has these long drawn out sentences. Uh, Ephesians, I'll just quote yeah. eleven. Ephesians one eleven through fourteen. In whom, speaking of the Messiah, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated yes. according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. So who was predestinated? Yes. Other than Israel. Only the house of Jacob. Amen. Only the house of Jacob, right? And even then, that's a qualified predestination. In other places, he says, we were uh, incarnated that we might inherit these things, right? Yes. There's no, no guarantee. Yes. So, okay, that's an, uh, 111, that must, very important verse. Go ahead. Something that must also be remembered, Pastor, is that the so-called New Testament was also written in Hebrew and Aramaic. Right. Not in Greek. Uh, later into Greek, and yes. Of course, <laughs> uh, of course, the Edomites of Rome had a free hand in putting in what they want and removing whatever they wanted. Yes. Whatever did not suit the, the, the agenda. Right. Now, whenever I read something in the New Testament that does not directly stand together with what I read in the Old Testament, I start investigating. Sure. And the things which are very important, verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory. Yeah, man, we Who's should be. glorious then? Yeah. <laughs> Who's glory? Well, yeah, sure. The Yahweh's Son of God. Glory. Yeah, amen. Amen. Okay. In, 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 and then in whom you all trusted. Well, we okay. trusted in Messiah. Right. Okay. After you heard, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, right. in whom also after ye believed, you were sealed right. with that Holy Spirit of promise. Right. Okay, now, I don't know if I sent you a copy of the show that I did by a, uh, a linguist who stated that the with, within the first 200 years of the uh, Messiah's uh, resurrection, much much of the yeah. New Testament was actually written in Hebrew as well as Greek, okay? But he also made the insertion that many of the Greek documents retain the name of Yahweh where appropriate, and that uh, this practice began to be phased out as more and more of the dispersed Israelites came into the area and were engaged in translating it into Greek, Okay. So rather than retain the name of Yahweh and all of the Old Testament names, they simply started dropping the Old Testament names. But that lends credence to what you were just saying about, well, if they had written the, the uh, and I know we found a copy of Matthew in Hebrew, and that's been publicized on the, yes. inter on the Internet. So, uh, yeah, they were originally written in Hebrew, and they would have contained the name of Yahweh, <laughs> Okay. So, so Ephesians one twelve. Exactly. So let me just repeat what you said here: that we should be to the praise of His glory 
And uh, it's a lowercase h. Yeah, it's a lowercase here. It should be capitalized because I agree with you. This is should be Yahweh. It's a reference to Yahweh the Father because the clause after it proves it. Who first trusted in Messiah? Exactly. Okay, the Father trusted in the Messiah, right? And then then he says, In whom we also trusted, after that ye had, had word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So here we have the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, in these three two, two verses, manifested exactly manifested, and okay. and also in and also in every preaching of Paul and Peter and John, every yes. preaching yeah. was made manifest by the outpouring of Father Yahweh's Spirit. Right, that was the confirmation. That was the confirmation that Father Yahweh actually did the circumcision of the heart of the people who had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right. Okay, yeah, speaking of baptism, who was present at the baptism of Messiah? Do you recall? Yes, okay. the dove that descended upon him, right. the voice that spoke from the heavens. And Again, the manifestation of Father, Son, and Spirit. So that all three of them are present right there, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And yeah. Yeshua also said that unless I depart, the Holy Spirit cannot, or he called him the Comforter in that verse, the the Comforter cannot the comforter, come to you. That's correct. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah. So again, the presence of, was in John 7. Yeah, well, yeah, wherever. I think yes. it was in John 7. Yeah, yeah. John the Baptist John was also present. Where, where Messiah, <laughs> right? Where Messiah actually uh, went to the feast. Now uh, that was what one should remember is that the last few chapters of the book of John were written just about at the same time of the feast. Yes. The feast during which the Messiah was uh, um, uh, 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 that he was uh, in fact taken into custody, that he was... Uh, uh, right. Uh, uh, arrested. Yeah, he was arrested uh, and, uh, and had a fake trial. And, and that was put on trial and he was... And I mean, he, he was having the feast, the, the, the Passover feast with his disciples right. in the evening. Okay. And by midnight, uh, he, they went to pray. And then while he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, that was when he was arrested, and right. uh, by by sun by sun up by sunlight, right, right before the sun arose, he was already found guilty, and he was receiving his stripes. Yes, amen. Yeah, because he was tried at night, which is a violation of Mosaic law of the law. Yeah, exactly. Right. No Israelite is, would have done that. that but whatever the Edomites cannot, well, get away with. They cannot corrupt. Yeah, they twist. Yes, whatever they cannot twist. Amen. They, Amen. Yeah, yeah. It's and just it, amazing how. Yeah, and how our people how simply. The Edomites, yeah. The, the the twisted scriptures <laughs> of Edom, <laughs> right? Yes. The twisted scriptures of Edom. So this is a really outstanding article. Uh, because he brings so much into play that your average theologian doesn't. I mean, you know, the Judeo Christians, yeah. you know, ignore. Well, they ignore the feast days altogether, right? So they wouldn't yeah. even be inclined to write an article exactly. about this, right? Okay. Yeah. So, but uh, Ephesians talks. Well, this is our inheritance. That's what this is all about. Our inheritance. And at the second coming, we will get our inheritance, whether it's eternal damnation or eternal life, right? That's what's in store for us. Okay. Uh, Go ahead. Something else that um, I just perhaps need to uh, insert at this point. You have three minutes. uh, Three minutes, Pastor. Pastor. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Many many Boers are 
currently being lured into believing that the father was crucified. Ooh. The father became the son and he was crucified, um, which, of course, is such a deceptive um, yeah. uh, uh, way out. Um, it, 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 that is not even an interpretation by man. It is not a logical interpretation. It yeah. is a clean-cut deception for right. the purpose of bringing the house of Jacob yeah. into disfavor with Father. Yeah, Jesus. that's another one of those false teachings that has come about very recently in order to confound the identity movement. Yes. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, but when you have uh, taken into consideration all of the Jacobites, the people of Jacob, who are surnamed with the name of Yahweh, as he said, I, would surname, I will surname you after myself, and all this applies only yeah. to his people, the house of Jacob, but to no other people, right? We are the uh, yeah. the first fruits. We are the city on the hill. We are the uh, light which should not be covered with a bucket, <laughs> right? Etc. Etc. Light that should shine. Right. Yeah. Those are uh, references to us and uh, us only. Right, the, the whole world cannot be exactly. the receptacle of this mm-hmm. knowledge. Only His people can be. Back to you. All right, I'll give you the yeah. last word. We have a, it's, it's, two minutes. It is quite amazing how Father Yahweh now, in these last days, actually, um, by the inspiration of His um, Ruach Hakodesh, His uh, Holy Spirit, right, how He makes revelations to His people. Right. Slowly but surely. <laughs> Slowly but surely. It's happening. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, the Boer people are being subject to the same, you know, false doctrines. Uh, you know, uh, the black Hebrew Israelites, they just all of a sudden appeared out of nowhere within the last 20 years. Uh, you know, it's it's ridiculous what's going on in these latter days. And many of these are actually Jewish deceptions just to confuse us. Right. Okay. And, yeah. and also the Ethiopian blacks who claim to be descendants of uh, right. so- King Solomon. That's right. <laughs> but the queen, the queen of Sheba, the queen of Sheba was also white. She was That's never right. black. That was the subject of my show on Friday's Yahweh's Covenant People, proving that she was, in fact, a white woman, right? Oh, and, and we talked about it on uh, uh, Genesis Revelation Saturday morning as well. All right, Pastor, we've run out of time. Great show. Uh, we'll continue this theme next week. Hopefully, your network uh, performs uh, on a more regular basis. I'll pray that it works perfectly on Sunday, uh, Sunday evenings for you, Sunday mornings for us. All right. Okay, Pastor Martins. Have a Excellent. good day. All right. Thank you. Praise Yahweh, everybody. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Bye bye. You also. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh.